Thank you, brother. It's great to be back at Beacon Baptist Church tonight. Always love being here, and uh, you can't get rid of me. We're here at least once a year. Um, we've added a child to the mix. There's a little guy, Sammy. Um, I'm going to introduce my kids. You saw my wife, Alyssa, at the uh, piano. We've been married for about 12 years. And then Lauren Hope is my oldest. She's six and a half, almost seven. Then Daniel Jr. is my second, and he is four and a half, almost five, and pumped out of his mind that he's going to the Kennedy Space Center tomorrow. So <laughs> he wants to be an astronaut preacher. So you pray for those Martians on Mars. We'll talk to them. No. Uh, we have a great time. We had a great time. Love Florida, uh, especially during the, the Wisconsin winters. Uh, my son, I guess his prayer request in Sunday school this morning was that um, he would live in Florida when he grew up. <laughs> He's traumatized by our winter time. So we are glad to be down here. You might think this is cold, okay? This is balmy weather, at least for me. My wife has wearing a jacket most of the days, but uh, she, I think, is, was supposed to be from Florida. I think she got mixed up with the storks, got her to, to Maine. Uh, but she's a Florida girl all the way out. So there you go. But we are we love being here. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, Pastor Blaylock's uh, just spoils us, and he's uh, uh, such a, a friend and a blessing uh, to our family. And um, I say this every time I come, and I say it truly. Uh, I go to a lot of churches, uh, hundreds and hundreds of churches in my life, and um, there's not a lot of churches like Beacon Baptist, and there's not a lot of pastors like Pastor Blaylock. And uh, if you don't know that, you should know that. You really should. Um, you do not see pastors with the heart of a pastor like Pastor Jim Blaylock. Um, he, he not just likes people, he loves people, genuinely loves. I've never seen him love so many people, old to young and all between, um, and personal, and knows everything about them. He's probably watching me now and embarrassing him. So I, you're not here, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Livestream, wherever you're at, I'm talking to you. Okay. <laughs> you didn't know what you're getting into. Um, but... Uh, Anyways, just a blessing, and it's been an encouragement. I'm down here actually composing music, if you can pray about it. Uh, it's a 14-episode docu-series on pornography and addictions our church is putting out. Um, it is a $300,000 project, so this is not just a little camera set up in a room type of thing. This is actually a massive ordeal, uh, but I'm composing the music for that, and my sister and I uh, are doing that, and uh, I'm down here these two weeks. This is our last week, and uh, doing a lot of hours of composing uh, to put underneath. Uh, you, could th you could even say like movie composing type of thing, a lot of under tracks and stuff. So be in prayer. It's a quite a, the subject matter, addictions, um, is quite a big thing today. And uh, obviously in our churches, it's gotten in and it's tearing our part, families apart, it's tearing churches apart. And um, obviously the world, it's, it's all about that. And obviously that matter of pornography is a huge deal. So Pray against Satan if you could. If you're, if you're going to pray, pray specifically against the satanic attacks. My wife and I and our family, and my sister's family, has really felt them hard. My, my sister actually just lost a baby, a miscarriage, just last week. We think just, it, it, there's a lot of just attacks. And we, we could appreciate your prayers, and obviously you're disconnected from it. But since I'm down here in Florida composing, might as well mention that prayer request. So, and uh, maybe even it'll come down to your church, the opportunity to be able to be part of that. In the, in the near future. But Hebrews chapter 11, you're already there. We'll get there in just a moment. And we'll look to a couple more passages as well tonight. But you ever heard somebody say to you these very, <laughs> they make you nervous, these words. When somebody looks at you and goes, trust me. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever somebody says, I'm 36, okay, trust me. I'm like, oh, I, I probably shouldn't trust you. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, trust me. 
This will be fun. No, it won't, okay? Trust me, this will be an adventure. Yeah, that's the understatement of the century. I've had a few of those, okay? Almost dying out in the Gulf on a boat. That was supposed to be fun. Trust me, this will be fun. You know, every day we exercise faith in something, don't we? Something as simple as the pews you're sitting on, the car you drove to church uh, up in Wisconsin, the rust bucket. Some people shouldn't put faith in those things. Um, the stairways you walk on, the planes you get in. Probably shouldn't be trusting planes too much. 737 Max is right. Those, uh, you've been reading the news recently? Doors blown off, things like that. That's always fun. Um, you ever been in an elevator that you don't really want to trust? I was a kid, a junior hire. Okay, this explains everything I'm about to say. Junior hire. Uh, I was in at, at Indiana University at a music. I was at a music uh, camp for uh, three different years in a row, and they had this very old building, still there, very old. And they had these elevators. You could turn off the, the lights in the elevator. There's a switch. Well, the light would turn off, and the engine would turn off. Well, it sounded like okay. It was just a vent, but it would go dead quiet. And it was so old, it felt like you literally turned off the thing. So we were, you know, we would just hang out in the elevator and then bump, you know. The, the switch with nobody watching and watched everybody absolutely panic like that you know no tomorrow <gasps> what's going on we're still you know and, and reaching through the dark and then we turn it back on you know junior high fun a lot of fun but honestly you've been in an elevator that stopped maybe some of you have that is a panicking moment okay what if it dropped okay um bungee cords anybody in here do bungee cords yeah that's a thing for you look at that look at that smart people today okay good <laughs> Perfect. If you ever into the Wilds Christian Camp, they have this big drop swing. That is the dumbest thing that man has ever made. Especially when you add college-aged counselors running it, who think it's the greatest thing in the world. I was on there with this guy who was about four inches shorter than me, and he was the, he used to be the owner. He was the owner of Sky Camp. You see those NFL games all the time. He used to own Sky Camp. So I'm on there with him. And we go all the way up, you know, we're pointed down, we're in this like swing, like this little swing, and we're 40, 60, I don't know how far, 60 feet above the air, above the ground. We're looking straight down at the ground, okay? And the entire time they're counting off from 10, totally wrong, right? 10, 9, 8, it's literally 20 seconds away, or it's 3 seconds away. And then it just clicks, and that moment of cl the click, and you're like, I'm going to die. And it goes straight towards the ground, and there's this literally right below where you're going to go, at the bottom point is a cement step. It's raised off the ground. You're like, why did they put that there? You're straight at it. You're like, I'm, I'm going to die. And then it goes out, and you feel like it snaps because you, know, you, you know how the bungee thing works. Never again. I literally, I think I lost a few years off my life. But you know what? How easy is it for us as human beings, as Christians, to have faith in the practical, imperfect, earthly things of our life more than in the almighty creator, God. Christian, listen, listen to what I just said. We have an easier time sitting in our car made by human hands, going in a plane flown by humans who could be there definitely what they're, what, you don't know what they're going to do. You're going in, in all kinds of different things. We're going on rides and amusement parks and we're putting our hands in people's lives or in the lives of machines made by people. We have faith in that. But so many times, Christians, how many times every single day of the week we don't have faith in God? Yes, I know. It's quiet in here. Because that's our life, myself included. I'm preaching right here. 
we have, we talked about Lily is perfect. She's like a little child. That's what God's, God requires of us. I heard of a story about a young boy who was stranded in a house fire on the second floor. Maybe you heard the story. And all he could see was smoke and flames. And all, but all he could hear through the smoke and flames was his daddy's voice telling him to jump. The boy said, Daddy, I can't see you. And the dad said this, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. You know, as we're talking about the matter of faith, so many times you're like, hey, Brother Van Gelderen, you have no idea the flames and the fire and the smoke and everything else. I can't see God. Yeah, but he can see you. But I, well, these steps of faith are impossible. Yeah, but he can see you. He's right there. So how's your faith this evening? Charles Spurgeon said this, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not believe him at all. Believe in this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about the edges of the water is poor faith at best. It is little better than dry land faith, and it is not good for much. You know, Christian, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a pastor's son. I'm a grand, I, I, my grandfather was a pastor. My, my uncles are preachers. I could look it, do it, walk it, talk it. But you know, it wasn't until I got into college, after college, marriage, the real trials started coming. And I went through a trial in my life. I had a handicapped brother. Had a, um, he was born, had a brain tumor when he was two years old. And no left lobe of his brain, mentally handicapped. I mean, amazing. He graduated from college in seven years, did a lot of normal things, but very unnormal. A lot of trials in the home that caused, I mean, a lot of trials. But I will tell you what, when you become a dad and a husband and, you know, you're in ministry yourself, you're not under your dad's, you're working for your dad, you know, I'm working for my dad, but all of a sudden the trials start coming and you're responsible for a little family. How's your faith then? It's really easy to have faith when my dad's paying the bills. It's really easy to have faith when I'm not responsible for three little people who are looking at me, whatever I do, they're going to do. It's easy. So how's your faith? Are you absolutely confident in your God right now? Right now. Is your faith shaken in any way? When faith is talked about, does it seem like a vague spiritual concept just floating above your head? Do you as a Christian truly understand what faith is? Let me ask you a few questions here. Listen carefully. Do you want a faith that sees real results? Or a faith that just talks of future possibilities? Do you want a faith that believes in the impossible? Or a faith that is stuck in the humanly possible? Do you want a faith that fulfills God-given visions and dreams? Or a faith that stays mired in the what-ifs and the maybes? Do you want a faith that results in miracles? Or a faith that can be humanly explained? I think, Christian, if we were all honest, we would all want the first part of the question. Obviously. How many times do we live Talking of future possibilities, stuck in the humanly possible, staying mired in what if or maybe God or humanly explained. 
I want to see three simple points, very simple points tonight about faith, and we'll be done. First of all tonight, faith defined. Faith defined. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 gives us the best definition you could ever get of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing in the promises of God. Not a blind faith. No, it's steps taken based directly on what God has said. You know how else you could say it? Faith is believing that the promises of God will work. Today, yesterday they worked, today they'll work, tomorrow they'll work, and they'll always work full stop. That's faith. We can talk it up, Christian. I'm there. We can have a big, you know, hey, God's going to do something great. Really? Is he doing it in your life? Faith is not a feeling. It's a reliance on God's word, which results in a step of obedience or trust based on something that God has said. Maybe through his word, through a servant of God. Faith is God's reality, not man's reality. Faith is a choice to believe what God has said. Faith is not based on the circumstances around you, no matter how impossible they may seem. Faith does not complain about what is happening. Faith does not blame people for how difficult life has become. Faith trusts and faith obeys. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All these passages. Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You, wa- you received him by faith, so walk in him by faith. Rooted and built in, up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Why is it that so many people so easily accept God's free gift of salvation by faith and then we struggle to walk by faith? We, 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 we so get ruled by our feelings. How about this morning? You know, I'll be honest, I woke up this morning, didn't feel very much like preaching today. Oh, aren't you a preacher? Yes, I am. And I'm human as well. I think that most, any preachers in here, retired preachers, any Pastor Blaylock, my father, any preacher you've ever asked, does not wake up on Sunday morning going, yes! Can't wait to preach! Don't think that happens every time. That might happen sometimes. You know, there's Satan involved. He's attacking. There's circumstances involved. You might not have slept well. I don't know. I slept well. That condo is really comfortable. Um... The view of the ocean, that's amazing, okay? But I'll tell you this, I didn't feel very much like preaching. I didn't feel very much like having faith in this. I, didn't, I, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel very, yeah, I just felt bleh. Got met with the Lord and just honestly, it wasn't like there was a moment in this morning that I was like, push the button and there was this lightning bolt and poof, man, I feel good now. It didn't happen. It didn't happen this morning. You know what it was? It was an absolute one by one, step by step, walk by faith saying, God, I need you. I have to have you. I, I wasn't there. This guy's not talking to you from some high, I am, but from some high platform of spirituality, like I've got it all together. This is one of those things, people, that I've got in my toolbox. Let me tell you folks, this is what I got. No. 
today. God had to help me. So what about you? We see this, we're going to talk more about this, but faith, is faith part of your life? We see faith defined, faith exemplified. Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith. Anybody ever been to a hall of fame somewhere? Uh, basketball, baseball, anybody? Anybody else? I've actually never been. I'd love to go someday to one of those. Uh, but you go to those hall of fame places, and what do you see? You see amazing feats, sports, accomplishments, exemplified. If you go to a, like a military museum that's kind of like a hall of fame for the military we've been to many of those and you go i'm going to kennedy space center tomorrow that's kind of like a hall of fame for um, astronauts and you go and you see amazing feats of what people did you know what's different about the hall of faith it's amazing feats of what god did We have all these names in here, but it's nothing to do. That's the irony of the whole thing. The whole hall of faith is so good because nothing in there has to do with them. They're only in there because God did something. You say, well, didn't they obey? They had faith? Yes. But it's because God came through with the promises of what he said. He is God, so he's going to do that. That's why the hall of faith is there. That's why to strengthen and encourage you, a lot of times we look at the hall of faith, we're going to look at it in a second, and we go, come on, I can't do that. Right, that's the whole point. You can't. I can't. Oh man, Noah, he must have been some super Christian. Abraham, did you look at their lives? I mean, they did some crazy stuff, but they didn't do, they did some also not so great stuff. They lied just like we do. They lived in unbelief just like we do. But God used them. Look at verse, I mean, I looked at verse number one. Verse number six, we read this already today, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Okay, that's a big deal. We'll come back to that thought in a moment. Verse number seven talks about Noah building the ark. Okay, well, how do we see faith exemplified? Well, impossibility. No body of water, no rain, and for how many years? Hundred, <laughs> long time he's building this ark. Longer than the, the span of people living on this earth today. People are mocking him, and he's building this ark, and then God comes through with the flood. His faith was honored. The impossibility was there. By faith, Abraham, he was called to go out in a place which he should, after receive for inheritance, obey him. He went out not knowing whether he went. We'll come back to this in just a moment. Verse number 11, it talks about Sarah believing in the impossibility with Isaac. Speaking of Abraham, Genesis 15, don't have to turn there. It's verse number 6. It says he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And that's the context of said your, your seed's going to be as the stars in heaven. Impossibility. By the way, Noah faced an impossibility. Abraham faced a really strange one. Leave Ur. Okay, where am I going? Silence. You ever done that? Hey, let's go on a trip. Where are we going? I don't know. You know? Maybe some of you wives feel like that's the way that your husband goes. Okay, we're going on a vacation. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's just get in the car and go. Okay? We planned it out? Nope, not planned. Just going to happen. You know, it's going to happen when it happens. Because I'm a man. I can do that, right? Abraham, I don't care how mm, he must have been. That doesn't work. But it did with God. Because he had faith. He believed. And then after that trip, he was tasked with believing God for an absolute impossibility of a 100-year-old lady having a baby. And he believed. He believed. 
Romans 4 talks about this. This is incredible. Being not weak in faith, verse 19, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. It didn't cross his mind. Christian, do you, can you, you hear that? Every one of us would be, ah. Uh. Right? First, our first reaction would be, this is impossible, but Lord, help thou my unbelief, I believe. That'd be us, not Abraham. He did not even consider his body dead or his wife's t- t- children. It says in 20, verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Christian, that's encouraging. Abraham, a, a very human human, Lied about different things. He was human. What did Abraham do? He never staggered at the promise of God. Hey, you're going to have a child. And your seed, you have nobody right now. Your seed is going to literally be as many as the stars of this earth. And he was fully persuaded. God, you promised it. You're going to do it. Christian, is that us? Fully persuaded, no staggering. What, if that, what about you? And we were talking about funerals this morning. What about your funeral? Honestly, I, nothing else sh- should be said about a Christian. They should be able to get up and say, you know what, they had a great life. They staggered not at the promise of God. And they were strong in faith and their life gave glory to God. We, 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 we close the casket and we praise God. Obviously we could say more, but honestly, that, could, that should be it. Right? That, is your, that should be your life. Unfortunately, many of us, it's not. Abraham also, verse number 17, man, he's got a lot going on here. He was told then to offer up his son. D- does that make any sense? Now, I'm, by the way, I'm going to have you leave town of, your, of, your, of where you grew up and go somewhere. I'll tell you later. Just go. Oh, by the way, you're going to have a kid. You, don't, you, don't, you can't have kids humanly, but I'm going to give you a kid. Okay. Oh, by the way, go kill him. We know the stories too well, folks. Let's get out of the Sunday school mindset and think about what this really says. He's been told to go to kill his son. Now, it, in 2024, that's a bit more shocking than that. Obviously, it was shocking to kill your son. But the heathenistic culture is obviously killing, was obviously, un, 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 unfortunately, a little bit more of things that happened. Not with them. And he said, okay. <laughs> you don't see argument from the Abraham. And he was tried, he offered up Isaac. That he had received the promises offered up through his only begotten son. Okay? He rears his hand back to stab his son, to kill his son, because he had to obey God, and God obviously stopped him. That is about as incredible faith as it gets. I was joking with the guys in the sound booth tonight. I wanted to title my message, Crazy Faith. And honestly, that's really what it is. How much crazy faith do we have in our God tonight? You go on in the passages, verse 29, the Red Sea, 30, Jericho. You have to talk about David and Goliath, Daniel's three friends, Elijah, Gideon, the widow filling the jars with oil, and you could go on throughout the Bible. So many people in the pages of Scripture had faith. And let me tell you right now, you can look at their lives, and if God gives you the glimpse into some of them, they were not perfect people. So many times growing up in the, 
when I was really struggling as a kid with sin issues, I would say, you know what, I wish I was like, I wish I could be like a super Christian like this person in the Bible. The older I get now, I realize very, very clearly they were not super Christians. They were as human or worse than me. But they knew who their God was. They kept a short account with their God and they lived believing in God and they had faith in what God could do. We've seen faith defined. We've seen faith exemplified. Number three tonight, faith personalized. Faith personalized. Look at me verse number eight. We talked about this already. We kind of got, I kind of got ahead of myself. I'm going to, there's another chapter here I want to go to as well, but look at this. It says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should go after, received for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. We, ch- we already talked about this, but I just want to notice that in that passage right there, it says the word that we're looking for, obey. What does faith personalized mean? A lot of people today say, I got faith. Oh, I got lots of faith. I got faith that the uh, Chicago Cubs will win the World Series. Well, it was very unfounded faith for a long time. My dad's a Cubs fan. Yeah, I, I'll cheer for him. They won it in 2016. The, you know, the faith was, was, you know, I have faith that, you know, whatever. People say that, he'll postulate, pontificate, all these different things. Do you really have faith that the, you know, Marlins are going to win the World Series? I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm a Braves fan, sorry. Um, some of you from the North, though, you probably had different teams to cheer for, right? You know, some of you guys are, you know, so Yankees, you know, um, but, you know, you have, we, we say all these things. We, we, we say what we have faith in. Let me ask you a question. How do you really have faith in God? How do you personalize faith? I'll tell you what it is. True faith is obedient faith. We can talk all we want to, Christian. I can talk all I want to about believing God. And then when given a step of faith to take, a step of obedience now it's tested. You know, that step of faith that God's requiring you to take might seem a little crazy. Huh, right? Actually, everything we've talked about seems crazy tonight. Turn with me, please, Joshua chapter 3. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. Joshua 3. I have a whole message that I actually preach on this. But at this point in, the, in this, this is a great place to go. Joshua chapter 3. They're at the Jordan River. The Jordan River is overflowing its banks at the time of harvest. This was not a little trickle of a, of, a, of a stream or a creek, as they call it down south. This was a raging, massive river. And they are there. They're at the, at the, the millions of the Israelites are in an impossibility. Across the river is the promised land, the blessing from God that he's promised. He said, hey, you're going to have all this, all this richness and this blessing from me. This is for you. I've given it to you. And it's like... That's great, but why is this here? You know, we could have gone around the west side of the Dead Sea. You know, people are like, well, there was the Moabite. Or, yeah, but you could have easily, it would have been easier to fight because they had two million people. They could have fought the battles a little easier. It seems like, why did we go to an absolutely humanly impossible place? Because God wanted to do something. Not only did he put them in an impossible place, he told them a crazy command. And I say it with all due respect, obviously, we know that. He said, take the Ark of the Covenant, the most prized possession you have as the people of Israel, put it on the shoulders of the priest like you would, and go into the water. 
If that's the Emmy of us in 2024, we'd probably go, uh, quick question. Why? Right? You know, if it was the Gen Z's doing this, <laughs> I wrote this down in my message, and I, it kind of cracked me up as I was looking at it, but, you know, and that's not the Gen Z's, but all of us, but really more this, the Gen Z culture of today. You know, crossing this river is too tiring. So, you know, you're sitting there on your beach chairs, right? This more, looks more, like fun, more, more fun to do this, and I can see some people building some sandcastles. I have an, a better idea than drowning. Why don't we build a bridge? You know, this is most definitely a better idea. Let's build some rafts to go across. Or I need some time to relax and unwind. I've earned it. So they're in the ice cream shop across the street. I've had a bad experience with water. <clears throat> I'll stay home and think about crossing that river later. Maybe. You know, I'm actually smarter than Joshua, so I can actually beat him in a debate about water crossing, so I'm going to argue with the guys carrying the ark, and especially the lead, I'm just going to make a big argument out of it. Isn't that 2024? You know, God gave an absolute crazy command. Do you see any arguments in Joshua 3? Nope. What do they do? It says in verse 13, when the, when the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark shall rest in the waters of Jordan, then the waters shall be cut off. They're going to they're gonna part, part. So what happened? Verse number 15. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, verse 16, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, those beside Zaratan, and those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jordan. On dry ground, adding in there. We know this story, but folks, this is not a human experience. This is a miracle of God. He wanted them to be in an impossible place. You say, weren't they already in an impossible place? Yeah, but he added one more impossible possibility. He made them take a step into the water so they were committed. This wasn't a blow water. It wasn't even a raise your hand part of water. This time God said, I'm not doing that. I'm making them go into the water. And if that water doesn't come, they knew that water was part. They're going to drown. This was a raging river. Can you imagine? You know, I don't know if the guy's, you know, the first guy was Zerubbabel or, you know, Malachi, whoever's in the front, right? Going, did you say goodbye to your kids? Are we, this is crazy. Yeah, here we go. Let's go, right? I don't know what they were saying. Maybe they had great faith. Maybe they, maybe they were terrified. And this is not the lightest thing in the world. And they're marching towards the water, and they put their, their foot, and God said, and, and Joshua told them, the minute the brim of your foot, the bottom of your foot, touches that water, boom. Okay? And boom, it happened. God did it. We know that. But folks, what did it take? It took faith, but it took obedience to get there. Christian, why do we not see God part waters? Say, I've got, I, I feel like I have faith, but what, what, what keeps me, Brother Miguel, from truly experiencing all of this? Well, let me tell you, first of all, maybe some plain old rebellious attitude to the obedience to God. Talked to, this, to the teens this morning, had a title of a message a little crazy called Shut Up, I'm Busy. That's from a story from the Titanic. But the point is, stiff-arming God, God speaks, you say, yeah, I'm okay. And maybe nobody in here is thinking, God, I'm not going to do what you say. You're here on a Sunday night in the service, okay? You're, you're, you're obeying God, okay? You want to serve God. You're here in church. I get that.
but maybe a subtle stiff arming of God is happening. Pastor preaches, things happen in your life, and you just say, ah, not today. Yeah, not right now. That's okay. And you push away, you move away, and that's a rebellious attitude to obeying God. And here's another big one. This is actually one of the biggest ones that I think keeps Christians from seeing God bless is a fear of failure. Pastor puts his foot in the water, and it parts. Your Christian friend over here puts their foot in the water, and it parts. But if I put my foot in the water, I'm going to splash. It ain't going to part for me. You know my life? You know what's going on in my life? I can't do this. I, there's no way. If I put my foot, it's not going to happen for me. Precisely the problem here. Faith. I'm telling you right now, we can't think about ourselves. It's not about the whole aspect of faith is not selfish. The absolute essence of faith is looking to one that can help you through it. It's not about you. If you have to have faith in something, Christian, then it means you can't do it. Right? right? I mean, groundbreaking truth. Neon sign. Right? Some of you are smiling. The folks, so many times we think, well, I can do this. I will, I will live for God. That is the opposite of faith sometimes. Now, obviously, you can say that's a good thing, but if I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to push through. Yeah, but maybe you're building a bridge over the water when God wants you to step in and let it part. You know, sometimes it's not fear of failure. Sometimes it's just hidden sin. You know, I'm doing this whole music for this addictions uh, episodes and uh, a series. I'm telling you, it's ripped apart churches, families. You say, I want God to bless my family like he's blessing that family. I want God to do something, and my kids aren't going on for God. What's going on here? What's happening? Well, maybe the sin in your life is keeping God from working. Maybe relationship issues. Maybe husband and wife issues. I don't want to step on too many toes, but I'm in vain, just so I'm probably going. What about your relationship tonight? You say, well, we're not really talking. You know, it looks good tonight here in church, and people think we're okay, but behind closed doors, the kids know it is not good. Well, that's why God's not blessing. You say, but brother, there's more to it than that. I understand, but God wants a healthy, God-driven marriage. You want God to work in your life. You want blessings to happen. You want God to do great and mighty things. You want to be, so to speak, in the hall of faith at the end of your life. You want God to do all those things. It's Start in the practical. Start in your home. What about parents and their kids? Dad, when's the last time you apologized to your kids? You know, we are proud creatures, aren't we, guys? Anybody else? Any other guy proud like me? Okay, just me. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, you do something wrong, you get upset with your kids, get frustrated. When's the last time you got down on your knees? Looked him in the eyes and said, I'm sorry. This guy was wrong. I got frustrated. Like, well, I'm, I'm a dad, man. I can do it. No, that's it's called sin when you get frustrated with your kids. You want to know why you're not seeing blessing in your life? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe your relationship with your kids isn't good. It's a big deal. I'm not a, I'm not a pro with uh, being a parent. I've only had kids now for seven, six and a half years. But I'll tell you what. When there's a problem between me and my kids, there's a problem in my relationship with God. And I'm not looking for 
for faith steps. I'm not looking to obey God. I got a problem. When there's a problem between me and my wife, especially, there ain't nothing happening spiritually in my life. But folks, I will tell you this right now. So many of us as Christians have pushed away the, the sin. We've compartmentalized the relationship problems. And we said, I'll just go on. And I will tell you, I understand. I'm a pastor's kid for all of my life. I understand the complexities of some of the issues that you are dealing with. I get it. Okay? I am an evangelist. I have a pastor's heart now. I would tell people I'm kind of 50-50 now. Okay? I have a lot of pastoral heart. Okay? I counsel a lot of college students, a lot of people. I bow down in respect to the pastors that have the, the, the patience to counsel people through for years. Ah, I couldn't do it, okay? I, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. There is a great God-given patience for that. There's the complexities. I get that, but you know, let me tell you this, Christian. You wonder why God is at work. When's the last time you cleaned house in your own life? You know, if Joshua would have had things in his own heart, Joshua would have doubted God. If Joshua would have had problems, he would not have stepped up by faith, led his people to be by faith, and what would have happened? There's so many other things in our own heart, a complaining heart, a gossiping mouth, an argumentative spirit with God. What is in our life that is blocking the channel? If Joshua and the priests would not have had the faith to obey God with a crazy command to step into the water, they would never have listened to the even crazier command to walk around the city of Jericho 13 times. I don't think so. If Abraham didn't have the crazy faith to leave Ur, if Moses didn't have the crazy faith to believe God would part the Red Sea, if Elijah didn't have the crazy faith to believe that God would send the fire and send the rain, if David didn't have the crazy faith to believe that God would kill the giant, if David didn't have the crazy faith to believe that God could strengthen him and his three friends on the most simple of food, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't have the crazy faith to believe that God would save them from the fire, if Peter didn't have the crazy faith to believe that God would do a miracle at Pentecost, then what would the Bible look like? He said, well, God would have raised some other people. Yes, but look at, look, at, look at these guys. These guys and who I read. This is a hall of fame of losers, humanly. Peter? David? <laughs> I mean, you look at their lives. Murderers? Paul? I mean, Moses? <laughs> these guys were not humanly. They had issues. But what did God do? He used their lives and they stepped out with crazy, obedient faith. God's word was fulfilled and the promises of God came to fruition when there was simple obedience. A.W. Tozer says this, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we only plan the things we can do by ourselves. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. George Mueller says this, there is no glory for God and that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. George Mueller also said this, God delights to increase the faith of his children. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exact exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God, God's hands as a means. I say and say it deliberately. Trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hands as evidences of his love and his care for us in developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. Said by a man, by the way, who lived that. Charles Spurgeon said this. This is very thought-provoking, deep but thought-provoking. If our faith be worth anything, it will stand the test. Guilt is afraid of fire, G-I-L-T, fake. But gold is not. 
fake gems, the paste gems, dread to be touched by the diamond. But the true jewels fear no test. It is a poor faith, listen very carefully, which only can trust God when friends are true, the body full of health, and the business profitable. But that is true faith which holds by the Lord's faithfulness when friends are gone, when the body is sick, when spirits are depressed, and the light of our Father's countenance is hidden. A faith which can say, listen carefully, in the direst trouble, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That is heaven-born faith. Christian, what about us tonight? We looked at it in verse 6 there, without faith it's impossible to please him. That's a big deal. A lack of faith, Christian, tonight, I'm going to say something that's going to seem pretty, not extreme, but just going to be strong. A lack of faith in your life, in my life, shows that we are actually doubting the essence of who God is. You say, no, 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 I believe in who God is. I, I believe that then if we do, we have to show it in our lives. So many times we become practical atheists. God, I believe you, but in this realm, I'm going to say no. I don't really believe you can do it. Well, if he can't do it, Christian, then he ceases to become God. Because if he's promised it, he has to do it. Now, isn't that an awesome thought, an awesome in the entirely full use of the term, an awesome thought to think that if God has promised it in his word, he has to do it. Well, you want to see the Jordan Rivers parted? Do you want to see Jericho's walls fall? Do you want to see, see God do something, your dreams and visions fulfilled, your, your children go on for Christ, your life be something that God can use? Maybe just in the practical aspect, you have some needs in your life and some trials and the fire and smoke, so to speak, of that one illustration at the beginning, and there's so many things happening, and it just seems impossible. You say, I've got to have a breakthrough. I'll step into the water. Maybe God's leading you to do something a little crazy do something to obey him i don't know what it might be obey your god time to seek obedient christians full immediate unconditional obedience to the king of kings and the lord of lords you know christians tonight he demands it but he deserves it if he's your lord tonight then with a heart full and overflowing with gratitude and love obey him believe god step out and obey him you're doubting him, you can trust him. He's trustworthy. Trusting to obey, you can trust him. He loves you. If you're discouraged, you can trust him. The story of Jim Elliott has been told many times around. He went to school at Wheaton College. He was in school at the same time my grandmother was in school. Jim Elliott was the real deal in college. He was the real deal up until the end of his life. What made Jim Elliott so special? Crazy faith. Nate Saint, all the rest of the guys. Crazy faith. You say, what are you talking about? Um, they were not fools. They knew what's, what was going to happen. They were pretty aware of the fact that it was possible to happen. If you don't know the story, they flew. They were trying to reach the Aka Indians. And that fateful day, the world would call it fateful, 
that honestly God used that day. They flew under the sandbar, finally making contact in person with the Aka Indians. And instead of the Aka Indians receiving them as the savages they were at that point, they were, un, you know, they were, they didn't know any better. They killed them, all, all five men. And the world would look at Jim Elliott and his men going to that sandbar to reach those people as the biggest waste of a life. They would laugh in the face of people like that. What in the world? Did God lead them to go? He did. And you know what happened? I think you know the story, but if you don't, a couple years ago, our missions pastor, Pastor Mark Gilman, my uncle, visited Ecuador. And I have a picture of him somewhere on my phone of him standing next to a short little man, one of the killers of Jim Elliot. That man has been a believer for decades now. And that man has started churches all over Ecuador, the jungles of Ecuador. The Aka Indians have been reached for God. There are churches everywhere. Everywhere. Because of those five men. You know that it's crazy faith. They had to do something that actually cost them their lives. Folks, I don't think God's asking us to do things right at this moment that cost us our lives, but it might cost us what we think our dignity. It might cost us something. It might look a little weird. It might look a little strange. It might seem weird. It might seem embarrassing. It might seem out of step with what I'm used to doing. You want to believe God? You want to have true faith in your life? You want to actually live like the people on the hall of faith live? Okay? Well, let God do it. You say, how does that work? Obey him. Simple. Okay, kids, let's sing. Obedience is the very best way, but not for my life because I don't do it. <laughs> I'm just kind of serious, adults, aren't I? We preach it. But do we do it? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me tell you right now, before I go on with the invitation, God's working in my heart. I'm not just saying that as preachers would say, I'm, I'm truly saying that. All of us face impossibilities. Some major impossibilities. All of us face discouragements. Some of us need to get back on the ground of faith. Believe that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. That's faith. And really what shows that is that step of obedience. And tonight, God might be telling you, again, maybe it's the first time, maybe, it's the, maybe he's been telling you this for a long time, what he wants you to do. I could go through many, many times where God made me take a step of faith, having to buy my house. Didn't get the illustration tonight, but that was a huge step of faith. I had to give up what I was living in. I felt like I was going to be homeless. Long story, but God worked. Crazy, crazy things. The, the things that I had to do, and you know it too. We've all done it. And you're sitting here tonight, and your heads are bowed, and eyes are closed, and you're, God's pricking you <clears throat> in your spirit. And your brother Ray Gilden, pray for me. There's some things I got to do. There's some steps of faith I have to take. There's, I got to obey God tonight. God's telling me tonight, please pray 
for me. I want that kind of blessing that God has. Anybody here, raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out in person. I'm just going to pray for you. Anybody here? Amen. See those hands. Amen. Let me tell you this here tonight. The first step to victory in your life, raising your hand is not a, a secret formula. But sometimes humility is the key to all of this. Dad, are we humble tonight in our needs? Husbands, are we humble? Wives, moms? What is God doing in our hearts? Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you're visiting. I don't know Beacon Baptist that well. Maybe you're visiting, and you're, you really don't know what we're talking about. You don't know who God is. You don't know who Jesus is. You don't know what these terms are. Maybe tonight, maybe tonight you've, you want to know more about salvation, getting saved, and knowing more about Jesus. And you say, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't even know what you're talking about. I would like prayer. Tonight, anybody here like that? I, I, I'm searching for God tonight. You risk that not go through a message. I know Sunday night crowd typically don't have a lot of people like this, but maybe there's somebody here. Anybody here like that? Lord, we thank you so much for what you want to do. Lord, as the invitation goes, Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us to obey you in a great and mighty way. Lord, you, you have to give the strength. We can't obey without your strength. But Lord, I pray we'd have that faith to obey. That crazy faith, Lord, that just doesn't care, but just obeys you. So Lord, as we go through this time of invitation, Lord, I pray you'd help us not to stiff arm you, but to obey you. And Lord, thank you. Have you had bowed, every head bowed, every eye closed? Let's stand together as the piano plays. If anybody, as the Lord is leading in your heart, if anybody, God's dealing in your heart, you can come to the front of the altar. I think we're going to sing the song here in just a second. But as God is working in your heart, come and talk to God tonight and get that in your heart. Take that step of faith even tonight by obeying him. Trust and obey.